Hey everybody and welcome into the next episode of It's Bananas with Jeremy Fisher. As you guys can clearly tell, we've decided to take this social distancing thing very seriously and uh, I decided to not have any of the people that are going to be on the podcast from here on uh, on until things clear up a little bit with the whole coronavirus. But thank you guys so much for tuning in. This happens every Monday at 9am and if you like the video, don't forget to like and subscribe to the channel. On this week's episode, we have my guest, Tom Baird. Tom, thank you so much for, for coming on. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. So, Tom, you're a stand-up comedian. How long have you been doing that for? Um, I, started, I started about July 2018, like mid-July 2018. Yeah. Um, I don't know why I remembered the day, but it was July 15th, 2018. Oh, okay. Like, it's like burned into my head that day. But yeah, that was when I like started, but I was writing comedy for about not, I'd say nine, eight months before. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. And so I've taken it. I mean, I've taken a bit of a break because of this coronavirus, but, but yeah, I think everybody, everybody's been taking a break from it, but like other than that, they're probably just going to be writing a lot, which is actually super ben- beneficial. Yeah. So what, what, what were you doing? A lot. Yeah. So what were you doing for writing for a comedy before? Like, were you doing sketches? Uh, were you doing skits? Got that kind of stuff for comedy writing, or were you actually writing jokes? I was just uh, writing material. I um, I met. Do you know Dave Foja? Uh, Dave Foja. No, I don't know him. Um. So yeah, I uh, I had the I had a job with him mm-hmm. when I was. This was about two years ago, where I was a I was a dishwasher and he was a server. And, um, I, I would talk with him and he mentioned he did stand up, and that got me interested. And I asked him a bunch of questions, uh, of, you know, like, how do you write material? How do you come up with material? How do you do that stuff? And he, he basically said, you know, just write whatever, write whatever material you wanted. There's no, like, there's no science to it. You just write what you think is funny. Mm-hmm. So I just started writing in notebooks. And, um, I mean, I like writing a lot because it feels very, I don't know, it's, kind of therapeutic it feels really calm and i like write really quickly mm-hmm. by the way uh this is david foch is a really good comic and he's a good guy like if he if anyone has any shows or like any if he has any posts on facebook they should check it out because yeah i don't know he's a he's a good comic and he got me into comedy and he's always been nice to me does he have his own uh, youtube channel i don't think he has a youtube channel but i think i know he had a show at the hideout um I, I didn't check, I haven't checked it out, and I, I think it's probably canceled. That's the thing, like, a lot of people's stuff is on hiatus. Yeah, I think, like, literally every single show is canceled because most of them ended up happening at bars anyway, and those all had to close down. Yeah. yeah. It, it's it's tough it's it's weird it's 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 really interesting but i don't i mean i want to say like i have like a comparison but i think in my lifetime i've never had anything like this i, I almost want to say had this in their lifetime because like something as big as this actually happening was a hundred years ago where it was actually yeah. on a huge like a bigger global scale and that was like without social media that was with like people not really traveling as much just because like flights weren't flights weren't even like a, a huge thing back then. Yeah. Well, I mean, I want to call this my generation's 9-11. 
Yeah. That sounds weird, but like, I feel like with, I don't know, with 9-11, it was something where people after it thought, oh, when are things going to go back to normal? Yeah. Nothing really went back to normal. Like the security that's here kind of started from 9-11 and it just has kind of stuck around. So I yeah. think that could be a thing here where I think a lot of the the things put in place here or a lot of the solutions put in place to deal with the coronavirus will never go away. Yeah. I think they're always going to kind of stay around or be something that we're always kind of thinking about for the next couple of years. Yeah. So you think that like social distancing will like, that'll be a part of our normal everyday life just because being around yeah. a lot of people could potentially have disastrous effects. Yeah. Or people are going to have like that paranoia. Yeah. People are just going to want, I think they will be more vigilant about diseases or about infections. Yeah. And I think, I think that's something that's just going to spread into the next coming years. And I think my generation is kind of just going to be more and more focused on disease as they grow older. Mm -hmm. And I think that could be good or bad. Yeah. That's just the way stuff's going to go in the next couple of years. Yeah. But I mean, it's a good way to think about it. Cause like we should be focusing more on like diseases because those are ultimately the things that are eventually going to kill us. As you can see right now that it's, yeah affecting a lot of people at a very increasing rate like places such as italy are taking a huge toll on what's going on oh my god italy's crazy and i feel i feel stupid for trying to learn italian this year yeah like i i tried saving up money to go to italy and like i tried learning there's still gonna be italians walking around so (laughs) the the year i learn italian the whole country shuts down yeah but I'm sure there's, I'm sure you can find some Italians that are around here. Like somebody that I work with is Italian and she's actually here on, um, she's trying to get her permanent residency here, but oh, nice. we'll see, yeah, we'll see what's actually going to be happening with that since like, they're not even going to like kick her out of the country anyway, because it's not like they can. Wait, so are they going to try, if you're not a citizen here during this situation, are you just supposed to stay here or like what's the I situation? Think- I think you're supposed to stay here. I'm not 100% clear on everything that's going on because they can't, like, nobody's going to go back to their own country now. Like, everybody's been closing off their borders. So I don't even think, like, we even try, like, I know some people that are still out of the country. Like, do you know Kevin, uh, I think it's Kevin DeMara? He hosts, like, a lot of, he hosts a lot of uh, the GTA East shows. So every show that's in Durham region, he's, like, the producer of all of those shows. So he actually just went on vacation before they started shutting all the airplanes like all the airports down and now he's stuck i can't remember where he's stuck but he, he's stuck over there Damn. Uh, for indefinitely until they decide to be like okay we're going to open up the borders again because they don't have any they decided to just like close off the airplane like the airports to, uh, going to canada i did hear somewhere that uh if you're a canadian citizen mm-hmm. then basically the government is going to make it a priority to to get you over to Canada as much yeah. as they can. Yeah. But you know, that probably varies case to case. I feel weird not being funny right now and just talking right? about Right. And that's honestly you know, like don't my, even worry about it. Just my <laughs> generation's 911 and yeah. and uh citizens coming over to a country like I should be funnier. I'm sorry. I feel don't worry about it. Like <laughs> this is just us, like comedians, just talking about us. So we we can get back to like doing comedy stuff and get more into the serious stuff later on. Yeah, if you that's... if you feel better doing that, <laughs> yeah. 
um, and so um, uh, like what kind of uh, getting back to the comedy like yes. you said you you remember the very first time that you actually did start doing stand-up comedy like what was that experience like when you first did it I kind of I kind of felt like I was um like in a way like I kind of felt like the boat passed me like I felt yeah. like writing for nine months I kind of missed my chance at being funny I'm always at like this weird thing where like I always think I've like lost it when it comes to being funny for some yeah. reason like I don't know if I bomb for a week then for some reason I'm like I'm, I'm never going to be good again and I suck at this and yeah. then the next week it switches and suddenly I think oh I I understand it. I know it better but yeah going into my first show I um I was scared because I thought like I'd written so much that I couldn't yeah. be good on stage and I remember being on stage it was like this small cafe that's closed and um I was like shaking on the spot and I was like looking at my feet and I think I got like two jokes out and I only like one of those jokes and it like I, I spent nine months writing and everything I wrote was crap I didn't know how to like break down a set or like how to like pause and put beats in I still yeah. knew nothing after nine months and I mean the way I write material is still like self-taught and it's me teaching myself and so I yeah. think I still had a lot to learn. I still have a lot to learn, but I didn't even know like the basics of how to get one joke out or, or you know, yeah. how to like have a good opener. And I'm super happy I did it because I kind of feel like it was, I mean, like I love comedy. It's it, standups like my favorite thing. And yeah. I want to, I want to be a comedian. I, I'm, I'm not a comedian, but like, I want to like, be a good comedian someday but, but yeah i mean you could technically yeah. still call yourself a comedian if you've gone to shows because once you start doing that like yes you're technically classified as a comedian look at any actor that's like doing basic like short films i guess and they're doing that for free they're, they call themselves an actor and yet they're doing free work so technically we can call ourselves a comedian if we're doing free work trying to provide entertainment well yeah but i mean like i don't know i mean i <laughs> I, I definitely get that. Like when some people call themselves writers, they yeah. actually like, you know, wrote for their school's newspaper and like elementary school. But yeah, I don't know. I kind of, I, you know, I want like, I don't want to say legitimacy, but I want like to, I don't know. I feel kind of phony if I call myself a comedian now, like I haven't had that. But I feel like shows. that's why I feel like the, the title professional is what really differentiates between like a regular comedian and a professional comedian. Because then once you start calling yourself a professional comedian or a pro comic, as like, you've heard a lot, a lot going around, then it's just like, yeah, that's a, a title that people respect because they know that you're, you're clearly work, working a lot. You're going around at the clubs, like headlining. And that's ultimately like yeah. what they want. So like right now, yeah, like it makes sense to call yourself a comedian right now, but eventually like you'll get that title of a professional comedian. And that's the title I think that everybody wants, like a professional actor, professional writer, professional museum, uh, yeah. musician. So I feel like it's just like a title. You want that professional title in front of it. I remember Cause anybody can call themselves like anything. I remember when I, when I started university, I started in September now it's all online but when i started in september i'd have this problem of like going up to everyone and saying jokes to everyone all the time yeah um and they would say oh are you a comedian and i'd say no i'm semi-pro i have like 30 dollars in my total earnings or like yeah. something like that 
I mean, honestly, I mean, I, I love stand up so much that when I got like $25 the first time, I oh, framed, actually it. framed like, it. I just, like, I, I'm so happy I got that $25. Like, yeah. I mean, I know that sounds corny, but like, I don't know. Stand, I love stand up. It's so, it's so much fun. I, yeah. you know what I did with the first. You know what I did with the first ten dollars that I did? I ended up just spending it right away because I'm like, I need to get home Holy now, shit. so I'm just gonna use this to get home. Were you far, or like, did you take a picture at least? And uh, no, I didn't. Uh, this was back. Uh, it was the first or second show that I did in uh, Mississauga. It was uh, Quincy Martin show at the Cabana. Okay. Yeah. So uh, it was a really good Quincy audience. Was like, great. Yeah, yeah. So he had he had a really stellar show going on there, and it was a really good audience that night. And um, do you know Nick Pepper? Nick Pepper? Yeah. The the guy who's tattooed? Yeah, he's tattooed and he has a very distinctive laugh. Like you know his laugh. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. I love yeah. I love Nick. He's great. Yeah. So he, he ended I up bringing up like most of the audience, which was fantastic, and like we ended up like all slaying it that night. It was good. Nice. Yeah. I, I mean, like. I, I got this money from uh, doing Toronto style, and okay. uh, it was joke of the night. I I mean I never do good at that. I I only did good there that one. I feel weird holding it up like it, <laughs> yeah. it, like it's a, like a plaque. But no, like I like I I don't if know. Anything like, you're I, probably gonna be breaking that open with a hammer very soon and be like I need this I need this yeah, money to yeah. survive the next week. <laughs> yeah, like oh, would you spend your. Uh, would you spend those $25 on tuna and uh, tuna and canned soup? Yeah. Don't, don't worry, comedy can pay the bills. <laughs> I mean, I remember when I first started comedy, my parents were super against it. Because when I started, I was 18. And yeah. so they would lock me out of the house. And uh, one day I bought a sleeping bag and I just slept in the shed for, for the night. Because really? I was... Yeah, because they would, they would kick me... Yeah, they, they really didn't like me going because they I think they were afraid of me drinking or being around people in like a dark room. You know, they didn't yeah. get it. They were like, you're in the dark room and you're saying jokes to strangers who are drinking and are probably drunk and could probably hurt you. But yeah, That's I bought a sleeping risk. bag. That's and the I risk slept. we take. <laughs> Sorry, what the audio? Uh, I was saying like, that's the, that's the risk that we take. Yeah, exactly. And it was fun. Like, I I don't know. I never felt more proud of myself sleeping in a shed than that night. Like, it was like yeah. 3 a.m. I got home from Groove Bar. Um, in hindsight, I should have bought myself like an air mattress because I was sleeping basically on like a concrete clearing in the shed yeah. with a sleeping bag. And I was sleeping on the side of my hip. And oh. I didn't have like a... It was just like concrete underneath, so I basically hurt my hip, and I had to do an eight-hour shift after that. Oh, jeez. <laughs> but I mean, like, the more... I don't know, when I was in the shed, I wasn't sad. I was just like, yes, this is comedy. I'm, I'm yeah. just... A, this is worth you, it. You have all that adrenaline from, like, doing that show and, like, feeling like a, like yeah. a comedian, yeah. and then it's like, well, I definitely live like one in the shed. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh... I think that show I was like last and I got up at like 1am and there were like five people, but I was like, man, this is awesome. Yeah. As long as you have someone to perform in front of, like it's something and you, you got to give it a shot. Yeah. 
do you yeah. do you ever have moments where you look back on like yourself growing up and like your childhood and you almost see a connection to yourself being i guess like a comic now because i have oh, that yeah. where it's like like if i was like seven and someone told me oh you could do you're going to stand up i never would have assumed that but there were moments where i could have like looking back i pick i kind of pick it up more where it's like oh i i did that joke and the teacher laughed not the class yeah class. yeah or it's just like, like you're that. just looking for attention and like you realize that when you do certain things people around you started laughing after you did those certain things you're like oh wow this yeah. is an interesting reaction to get from people and then yeah. it's like subconsciously you're just kind of like developing that because like you like that feeling of getting the laughter and getting the attention from all the people when they're focused on you yeah yeah that's exactly it like i remember I forgot this, but when I was 13, I did stand up for the first time at like a talent show at my school. And like, oh, really? I totally forgot. Yeah. And I, I totally forgot it. And like my whole idea of stand up at the time was that, oh, that's something like actors do. Like, I didn't know like you could just be a comedian and just go on stage. Like I thought like all the stand ups were just actors who did yeah. acting on stage by themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, and I mean, like, I didn't write my own jokes. I didn't know how to write jokes. So I just kind of was on stage. I I basically stole classmates' jokes and I said them on stage. But yeah. I guess, like, looking back on it, like, if I told myself at 13 I would be doing stand-up, I wouldn't have thought that. I would have just gone, oh, this is something for fun. But, you know, now with, like, perspective and years, it's kind of like, oh, I don't know. Like, it was it was kind of laid out or it was it was kind of there or it was something that I kind of liked doing the whole time. Yeah. And that's an interesting feeling. Do you have mm -hmm. anything similar to that? Pretty much. Yeah. Like, uh, I have like taken, like, I got to, I was an actor when I was in high school. Like I actually had no idea that I was even going to be a stand up comedian. Cause like I, I, I took acting. I was a very shy kid. So I didn't even want to do acting and like generally, but then when I got hit grade nine, I'm like, yeah, let's take it and kind of like hopefully this will actually boost my confidence so yeah. eventually yeah. like taking four years of drama throughout high school i was like okay this is really cool but i wasn't sure what i wanted to do i was kind of looking into second city for taking their um their comedy program and also like humber college for their program as well but i ended up like sticking with acting because i'm like oh this is fun let's see how far i can actually get into this and then i didn't actually get as far as i wanted to get into and it just kind of like stand-up comedy just like came about but I would always like throughout the time of like doing acting I would always find like moments of where I was like funny around people and I, I enjoyed that feeling and it kind of always made me like subconsciously made me think about like doing stand-up comedy but I never yeah, actually yeah. truly did it and I kind of regret yeah, yeah. just like not starting earlier because I would have been like at least six years into doing stand-up which kind of sucks because I'm like I would have been like seven or eight years in right now doing stand-up comedy Oh well, yeah, but I mean, you know, you start when you start, right? Exactly. Like you have yeah. a lot more experience than me. That's the thing I'm insecure about being my age where I don't have like a lot of experience to pull from and yeah. I don't have a lot of threads in my life that I can just kind of pluck out and write a whole bit on. Like, yeah. you know, I kind of am just like, you know, I'm still developing as a person in a lot of ways. And so it's like, oh, while I'm developing as a comic, I'm developing as a person. So I really mm -hmm. don't, know myself well enough to kind of have material that kind of goes on who I am as a person 
Yeah, I yeah, don't know. It's true. You are still developing, so it's gonna it's gonna happen. Like eventually, you're gonna have stories that you're gonna come across, and like that story that you just said, where you're the, that one night you just decided to sleep in your shed. You could even make that into a bit because that would be pretty funny. Yeah, I haven't made that a bit yet. I've been like, I don't even think I write about that bit. Like, I think a part of me like almost blocks that out. Yeah. Or, or you know, I'm like. I don't want to say I'm mad at my parents, but it's, you know, it's not something we don't, we talk about. It's almost something that's kind of just like, I don't want to say in the air, but it's just something that's kind of, man, I should write a joke about that. Like the more I think about the, the Yeah, you, I feel like you should, because it's just like a big thing about your life. It definitely would work pretty well. I'll just be like, yeah, my parents treat, like if you have a dog, I guess, it's like my parents treat my, my dog better than they do me. It's just like I told them that I do stand-up <laughs> comedy, so they sent me out into the shed and they gave my dog my be- like my bed. I mean, I've been, I, I have a cat, but I was raised by three cats. And so oh, now okay. my, my opener is now like, uh, I don't know if you can tell from my face, but I was raised by three cats. <laughs> so sometimes the laughs are too good for that one and <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh, that's good thanks <laughs> <laughs> so do you have any uh, comedians that you look up to um yeah i feel weird not watching that much comedy uh yeah. like when i first started i didn't want to watch that much comedy because i i feel like i would uh steal it just by proxy like just by listening to it i would like absorb it as a sponge and then i would like spit it out as my own idea and wouldn't even know it like that's the scariest thing where like i have a joke i write the joke but then i realize that it's not mine or like someone tells me that's not yours Mm -hmm. and like that i don't know that's a scary thought but i mean the people who got me into stand-up were uh pete holmes John Mulaney and Norm Macdonald, like those are definitely the guys I really, really gravitated to. Yeah. Um, I watched a lot of Crashing and that was good for me to kind of see like the less glamour side of comedy or of, you know, bombing and how how embarrassing it can be the first couple times you do it and how mm-hmm. you develop a thicker skin or you get funnier. That That was good for me to see when I was starting out. And it was also good to see Pete Holmes kind of being I guess like a fuzzier kind of comic because yeah. I because in my mind I I kind of thought the prototypical comedian was like an an Artie Lang or like this isn't anything against Artie Lang but like you know they're like tougher they like they got like a butcher accent they like you know they can like hit you after the show and I was like I can't be that guy and I felt insecure because it was like I can't be that sort of like cool Andrew Dice Clay guy I'm like this, I'm a nerdy, skinny white guy. Like I don't, I don't know. I like weird observational jokes. And so seeing yeah. Crashing, it was like, oh, I can, I can basically be whatever comic I want to be. And I can kind of, like, as long as I'm funny, I can kind of like exist yeah, whichever way I want. And that was a good thing to see from Pete Holmes. Mm-hmm. And I guess with John Mulaney, there's like things with his material that I also gravitate to because it, I don't know, it seems like he's like writing good bits. That's the same with yeah. Norm McDonald, where like they write good bits. And I'm a, I've always been a fan of, I don't know, like well, like good witty jokes. Mm-hmm. I feel weird for not getting into Mitch Hedberg for that, but there's a, there's a bunch of comics and music and books I like put on my list that I never touch. And 
you know, I want to listen to, but I don't like, I still haven't listened to Tupac and I should, I should listen to Tupac, but I feel like it, Mitch Hedberg and Tupac just feel like homework sometimes. Yeah. (laughs) I don't, I don't mean that's bad, but everyone's like, you have to listen to him. And it's like, I don't know. Could I listen to something else? Like everyone's telling me to listen to him. Yeah. Well, if everybody's telling you to listen to it, you may as well just do it. I but should. You also have to look at, like, when you're listening to, like, these uh, stand-up comedians, too, you're, like, you're probably not going to steal some of their stuff, especially if they're, um, like, they've already done it. So, like, it's already on the table. And it's good to, like, kind of, like, see where they are. Because I've yeah. even had some jokes, like, one, one of my jokes, um, Bill Burr did in Paper Tiger. Because at, really at the beginning of his set, he talks about how everybody's always complaining, especially with like the movie decisions that people do. And he ends up talking about how um, Kevin Hart and Brian Cranston were in that one movie, The Upside, together, and how people were complaining that uh, Brian Cranston's character wasn't played by an actual like quadriplegic. And so, like, I actually had a joke about about that as well, like complaining of like the exact same analogy using the whole Brian Cranston and, and Kevin Hart thing. But the way that the thing that I took from this is like, uh, jokes are always going to come. Like you're always going to come up with new jokes, so it doesn't matter if like it may, if you steal something, uh, like it, and unintentionally steal something, and somebody points that out. It's like, oh, this joke has already been done somewhere. Then it's like, okay, you drop it, lay it on the ground. It's like whatever. I'm going to have another joke then, or you kind of like just reward it in a different way that affects your life a little bit. But okay. when I found out that like that Bill Burr was doing it, I'm kind of like, oh, that's interesting. If I can think about this joke that Bill Burr did without even knowing that the paper tiger was coming out and like have kind of like the similar things. That means I'm, I feel like I'm on a good like observational like wavelength as, as these comedians. And that's the way that I kind of like take this stuff away. Yeah. Or like, yeah. Or like you're like tapping a good point, I guess. Mm-hmm. That's what I like about that. Oh, your video. Oh, there you go. Video kind of froze for a second there. Yeah. That was weird. I'm actually uh, curious. I'm very curious as how this is gonna look in the edit. (laughs) Oh god. uh, Yeah, because I I tested this out with my girlfriend before about like how it would actually look like just to like uh, bug it out, and it's weird because it like gives like two gray like my screen I'll probably have like two gray borders and your screen I'll have two gray borders, so I'll have to like cut it out or something. I don't know. I'll figure something out. Wait, like the gray borders are like aspect ratio or like, like... Yeah, like it's, I think that's aspect ratio. Because like for mine, I don't know if you can see mine. Yeah, I, I can like see gray, Yeah, do you see like the gray borders on mine? Yeah, yeah, I can. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think that's just the aspect ratio for it. Because I'm just using my front facing camera. Yeah, so am I. It, um, yeah, it might just be the camera and the way that it's set up. Yeah. I... I'm not really, yeah, but I definitely agree with your point of like, there's always new jokes, mm-hmm. and that's what I, that's why I try to tell myself. Like, I, yeah. I'm always trying to write new stuff because I got bored with material like super, super quickly. Like, yeah. I think after a week, I almost want to throw out all of my jokes and just start from scratch and like just, yeah. like, just renew everything I've done. Yeah, and like sometimes that's good because like. I don't know. I keep myself focused. I I keep myself moving from one thing to another and I don't really feel all that stale. And um, I'm able to basically just, uh, I guess like have a lot of fluidity, but also it sucks because I don't really hone a joke. And I think that's a problem I have as a comic where 
I move from so many different things that I don't actually stop and like let a joke mature and grow and form. Like yeah. I remember last summer I tried writing a new five every week. Yeah. And that was that's too much. That was way yeah, too that's, much. That's, because, that's like, a lot of material right there. I had like like one good minute and everything else was like mediocre at best. And then I would throw that minute out at the end of the week and I would forget really? it. Like it would just it'd be gone. Yeah. You didn't so, like try to like write it down, keep it for later. Cause no, uh, that's, that's like a good thing. Like don't throw out your material. I think it's best if you um like you you keep it, you record it, and make sure you're recording all your sets because then if you have something that's good, maybe if you don't want to use it now, let yourself mature a year or something like that and then come back at that same joke with a new perspective and be like, oh, how can I like rearrange this joke? Because I've done that with some of my stuff that I've yeah. done a year ago because I've only been in this game for about like over, just over a year. So stuff that I started using when I f was first starting out, I, I ended up bringing back up from the archives and I'm like, okay, now that I've been doing this for a year, how could I rearrange this a little bit make it more of like who i am yeah yeah that's definitely i like to call it putting it on the shelf like when yeah. i get tired of a joke i just say i'm going to put this on the shelf for however long and like sometimes i'll like put it down and like rewrite a whole set around it or like just put mm -hmm. a little tag in and like just make that what it is my handwriting yeah. is really messy so the cool thing about that is i can just like uh, fuck with it however I want and just like tweak around. Have you seen my handwriting? Uh, I have not, no. Okay. It's um it's it's gained like a pretty bad reputation. Oh my god. Yeah. That's handwriting? Yeah, that's my handwriting. I don't oh, know if you can god. see it well enough, but like That's like yeah. You know those like books that they get you to uh, to like trace out the letters. Yeah, it looks like one of those books, but like one that was made by Michael J. Fox. That's good. Yeah, like oh ones that are made by quadriplegic. Yeah, so I just I, I write really quickly and it's really messy. Yeah, but can you read it? Let's. I mean, yeah, I can I can read it. I don't I don't like reading it. I, I yeah. can read it. It's not fun for me to read it, but um like like uh, school assignments I can't read because like I don't like space it out as much. I actually I I had to redo my science exam because I went into the exam and I wrote it by hand and no yeah. one could read it and so they just sent it back to me really said, yeah <laughs> they just like grade it or something or like type it up instead they said type it up but the thing yeah. is is i didn't study for that exam so i've kind of just been like pushing it back as much as i could so i could like i i haven't studied for the exam and i've just been kind of pushing it back so i could just kind of i'm i'm bad at planning my time uh mm -hmm. To be a successful comic, you should plan your time. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm like not, with, a com a, with a comedian, we mainly work in the night, so it's good that we don't have anything during the day. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. I mean, hopefully, I mean, my exam's been canceled indefinitely because of this coronavirus. Yeah, so I, hopefully, I, like... I just, just hopefully I just pass the course because yeah. they just yeah, what are they what are they going to be doing about all of that? Because, because like, have, have they, they decided, decided to, make to make you do like online courses at all? They've made it online, but I think like a lot of 
So I think like a lot of my profs are making it a thing where they're almost ending their courses because they know there's just going to be less people in the course or less people are going to care about school. Like, yeah, especially at a time like this, like I nobody, I feel like nobody cares about anything right now. They just care about like, are they going to live for the next little while? Yeah, like, I mean, I'm trying to do stuff to keep me busy. I'm trying to write material and read and stuff. But like, yeah. I kind of don't care about school because I'm spending the next 11 days away from like everyone because my family thinks I have the coronavirus just because yeah. I had a fever and phlegm and a cough and mm -hmm. so they're just sectioning me off but yeah i mean have you, I'm not just, to have you gone have you gone over to the hospital to to get checked out to get tested apparently they they're recommending not to go to the hospital unless it's like oh, severe yeah. severe because okay. you're just going to expose yourself to people who could potentially have it and pass it on to you mm -hmm. so i i think i think the idea is that if you seem to be sick, assume it's the coronavirus. Yeah. Uh, like, assume everything is the coronavirus, basically. So it's just like looking at WebMD for, for anything and uh, just like, oh, I got cancer. But like, no, it's just like, oh, I got corona. Yeah. Part of me kind of wishes that I have it because if I just have like a cold and I spend like the next 11 days sleeping in a basement, I'm going to be really bummed out. Yeah. Like, do you even like, do you have any sunlight in there? I have sunlight, yeah, and I can, like, okay, like, like, like as long as you have a little bit, yeah. But, you know, like, go big or go home, right? Like, I want, I want to tell my friends I had coronavirus, not that I had a cold, okay? Like, I want to, yeah. I want to, I want to shoot. I didn't have that, I didn't have that bitch-ass virus. Like, I just, I had a, I had the real one. I had the, yeah, that real coronavirus. I, I go to the, I go to the doctor and, like, they, uh, they test it and they're, like, oh it's like a totally different disease like it's yeah. it's a new disease and it's like no i just i i want the regular i want the one yeah. everyone likes yeah <laughs> i want to be like everybody else okay i want to be cool just give me the cool disease i've always been, been the, i've always yeah. been the weird one in my family can i just can <laughs> i just get the one <laughs> can i just be more like them yeah i uh i've been a, i've been in university for an english major and i feel weird for being an English uh I feel weird for being an English because like every time I'd ask a comic like hey should I study English at school all of them told me no don't you're wasting your time yeah. and uh at, f at first I was like no 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 they're they're lying and now that I'm in it it's like yeah this is a bit of a waste of time like I'm sort of 50 50 on the fence of wanting to drop out and wanting to stay in school uh yeah so what's the whole like purpose of being uh, becoming like an English major? Like, what are the jobs that you can even get coming out of that? I mean, there are no jobs. Like, I would talk with them, and they'd say there are no jobs as an English major. Like, yeah. why would you want to be an English major? You're going to be in debt, and you're not going to get a job. And then I'd tell I mean, them, you can oh, always no, teach like Asian kids how to speak English. That's a good job to get into. I mean. It is good to learn English, but like it's the language I already know, so it's kind of. Yeah. I I mean I I think I'm mostly like my I just want to be a writer and comedian, and so I think mm. I was kind of just oh English major writer, that's where I should go, but mm -hmm. in my first year I've kind of learned, I'm not trying to sound like it was a total loss, but I've kind of learned really nothing or not a whole lot that's really been useful. Mm -hmm. um 
and I think I'm just a sort of, I think, I think I work better when I teach myself stuff. And I think being in a university setting, it doesn't really provide that. Like, I think yeah. if I really wanted to be a writer or a comic, I could just teach myself and kind of learn from that. Yeah, it's a more it's a more practical use out of it rather than like theory based. That's yeah, that's pretty much like university versus college. Like college, they're more practice based. They're more practical because like they want you to get like a hands on experience right away. Whereas when you go into university, they're more like they're talking about like the theory of everything that goes on. Yeah, and also like, man, kids from university are so annoying. Like, yeah, <laughs> I sound old when I say that, but like. I don't know, like, they, they have, like, a weird stink to them. Not stink, but, like, they have, like, a weird vibe. I don't really like them that, I don't really like it that much. Like, yeah, there are people from university who I like and who are fine, but, like, just generally, like, I feel like people go to university not to learn, but to almost reinforce that they're already really, really smart. Yeah. Or, or, like, you know, people are kind of full of themselves when they're at university, and I don't really like that that much. Like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of people in my English classes who like wear like satchels and like, you know, oh, I'm a writer, I'm an artist, or they wear like berets and, you yeah. know, oh, the kind of fit into the stereotype. Like, if they look like them, then that's they can call themselves that. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know. Do, do any of you guys actually like write stuff? And, uh, you know, they take themselves seriously. And yeah, like, I, I'm not trying to sound bitter to it I still I, I part of me wants to do it but part of me also didn't like my first year all that much and maybe the second year gets better but I don't know the first year when I got in I had so many moments I would like write in my textbooks like I miss comedy I miss comedy so much and I think that's the best thing about stand-up where I I don't think about other stuff when I'm doing stand-up yeah. which is cool like that's the best thing about stand-up uh i i feel like i'm almost preaching to the choir because only comics are going to watch this but like yeah i mean that's that's my favorite thing about stand-up because i don't think about you know the next five years or the next 10 years when i'm at a show i just think about like what's around right there mm -hmm. but when i was at school everything i'd think about would be comedy like whenever yeah, yeah. i'd say a joke i would think man this would do better on stage or this this will work better Mm -hmm. that's the worst thing about stand-up um whenever people who aren't comics say jokes i almost feel like pausing them like stopping them and like tweaking the joke right there in the conversation and i know that's yeah. not a good thing to do i don't do it but i have like so many thoughts for yeah, you're, you're like, like thinking like, about it. that joke and they switched it yeah. it'd be so much funnier but yeah. I don't do it, but I have so many moments where I'm like, man, I wish my coworkers had better jokes or something. Yeah, I just like give them uh, little tips and stuff like that to help them out with their better. It's just like, yeah, if I, I'm going to be in this environment with you guys. Like, I want to get better at my job. So I'm just going to give you a few pointers so that just the whole general comedy is better for everybody. <laughs> yeah, like the number of times I'd say jokes to customers at my deli job. Yeah. and they would say a joke back to me and it would just be like a lot worse i'm not trying to say like a lot worse like my jokes were really good but they were yeah. just like they weren't even jokes they were just like sentences that had like pauses in them yeah uh, and i mean that's the worst thing about stand-up where it's like 
I can't go to a family get together and hear like my relatives say a joke and laugh anymore. I'm like analyzing the whole joke and like tweaking the joke. And it's like, Oh, you should fix that joke. And you should like add yeah. that punchline and take that word out. And like, it's like the delivery was just here. all terrible or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Like your voice should be more flat if you want that kind yeah. of de delivery. That's the worst yeah. thing about stand up. It's made it so that I can't enjoy other people's jokes. Mm -hmm. unless it's stand up yeah. and so that's been bad yeah if i'm performing on a if i'm performing on a show i try to just like look i like i'm in analyze mode like as you're just describing like figuring out what's going on how the audience is but like if i go to if i decide to actually sit down at a show that i'm not on and actually enjoy it i feel like i'm just like and my yeah, brain just yeah. like clicks off and i'm like okay i'm actually gonna enjoy this now and just kind of like relax I can't, I can't. I can't do that. For some reason, I'm like, I think I'm just really neurotic and I'm just yeah. like really anxious as a person. Like late, I've been on uh, like serotonin inhibitors that like lower like anxiety and like uh, depression and then like OCD and that sort of stuff. But like before I couldn't even relax. Like every time I would like watch a show or something, I would just like try and like break it apart and like see how it works or like anytime I go to a comedy show I would like write jokes that were kind of like related to what the other what the comic was saying and almost like, just like kind stuff of putting it towards topic. you yeah yeah so if they were talking about horses I would like have a joke about horses but yeah. it would be a different joke I mean I can kind of relax but I think I'm just like a weird wiry dude where I like I, I don't know like I'm just like I'm weird at my job. Like I'm just like focused and I just, I, it, it's weird. Like, I'm sorry if like, I'm being like a weird wiry dude in this interview, but like, no, no worries. It's you. That's, that's who we're trying to feature right now. So I, I, th I think my anxiousness kind of comes out on stage. I kind of hope it translates partially on stage. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of don't want to betray myself when I'm, doing my stuff on stage like, yeah i feel like just you should just be me. yourself be yourself have fun with yourself ultimately yeah. i think that's what you want to do is you, you just really want to have a good time when you're up there because yeah. i've noticed when i've decided like i've prepared fully i'm like okay this is what i'm gonna do it sometimes doesn't yeah. turn out the way that i want but then the times where i'm just like i'm just gonna have a really good time and have fun with what i'm gonna talk about and i end up doing really well yeah. because of it yeah. so i'm like there's they're just very two different contrasting things and i feel like when you have a good time the audience can see you're having a good time too yeah yeah uh and when it's like new and when it's like kind of clunky like when you're laughing at like your own bad new joke yeah it's always yeah. fun and it all, always feels like a collective experience again i haven't mm -hmm. experienced this enough but like i definitely get that feeling of like laughing at your own joke at how dumb it is and like it's like a I don't know. It's like, I feel like, I feel like it's like a weird feeling that you can't get anywhere else. Yeah. From going to acting to stand up, what do you feel like is like the biggest like divide between acting and stand up, or like the biggest thing that separates them as far as oh, like art forms? Yeah. I can't remember who said this, but someone was. Uh, they were saying like acting is you're, you're creating a character, whereas stand up comedy you're being yourself. Yeah. So that's pretty much the way that I see it. It's like, yeah, for acting, it's you're creating, you're trying to live someone else's life, but you're with acting, you're trying to like put a little bit of of you inside that character. That's why you see like some characters that have like 
uh, I can't remember what that word is, but when they have like something that's very identi identifiable about them, like uh, Owen Wilson, whenever he says, um, wow, like that's, like that's <laughs> one thing that he does in every single one of it, as, as all of his characters. Yeah, or, yeah. Um, or what is it? Um, uh, who's the all right, all right, all right guy? Matthew, uh, Matthew McConaughey. McConaughey. Yeah. yeah, Matthew McConaughey. So like everybody knows him from saying all right, all right, all right. And he does that in some of his films. So there's just like little nitpicky things that some actors do that they do in all of their, their character work that I noticed. But it's, ultimately, it's just creating a character versus like stand-up comedy, which is you just being yourself as like an inflated version of yourself kind of. Yeah. And, I, and like some, I feel like some people, they do kind of like create a little bit of a character. Like um, when you watched uh, Do like Dolomite with... Um, with Eddie Murphy, but that was based off of like an actual comedian. Yeah, he was. Yeah. It was pretty much like the exact same thing, where he created a character because he wanted to be like more interesting about it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't. I I'm almost like more confrontational when I'm doing stand up. Like I'm just. Yeah. I feel meaner, or it's almost like it's almost like uh like. I, I don't get like really angry in regular life, but then like once I get on stage, I like suddenly, you know, it's almost like I can't you just let all your rage out, kind like, of like yell at people, and it's like yeah, it's allowed, it's like vindicated because it's like oh, it's okay, it's a laugh. But if I start yeah. yelling at someone on the bus, I can't just say oh, it, don't worry, it's a joke. It's, um, yeah, it's for comedy purposes. <laughs> uh, don't worry, I'm practicing for comedy. Yeah. Uh, um, but like other stuff is like i also feel more like confessional like i feel like i don't know like i feel like i like dive in i don't know dive is the right word but like i talk more about like how like gross i feel i am or like how like mm -hmm. weird i am as a person and like just like, yeah really but you have to think at the end of the day how many other people are going to relate to that kind of stuff at the end of the day or know somebody who is like that and they'll be like oh i can relate to that kind of guy well, I, like I, maybe I, he's my best friend, or I maybe he's me. I hope they relate, because <laughs> yeah. like, then I just feel weird. Or that, I mean, like, I, I think I just would say it anyway, even if people couldn't relate. Because like, yeah. you know, it's it's tough to tell if people can relate with stuff or not. Like, mm -hmm. I, I have like jokes about breadcrumbs or about hitting Italian kids, and like, yeah. I don't think that's like really relatable. But I think it's just like weird joke ideas I want to say or. Yeah, stuff I but I think like the best indicator for like if something is relatable is the amount of laughter you're getting. Yeah, yeah. So if you make a really good, well-crafted joke about like just random like anything, and people are like, "Oh, I know something about that," and that was actually really funny. The worst part is every time I think a joke is going to be relatable, it's never relatable ever. And the yeah. one time I'm like, eh, "This joke's kind of like what? Eh, let's throw away," and then it becomes like relatable. And it's like one of the better jokes in my rotation. It, that's the best thing about stand up. It's like golf, where like you're you never you get good, but you never master it. Like every time I have a good set, I never. I part of me thinks like, oh, I figured it out. Like I I broke the Rubik's cube. I know the puzzle. Yeah. I know how to start and what to do. And I'll, then just, I like, I'll do this exact same set at my next show, and then it just does not go the exact same way. Yeah, yeah. it bombs worse than any other show you've ever done. And then, like, it's like a cycle. It's like, I'm like, oh, I figured this out. And then, oh, I'm the worst comic ever. And then I figured it out, and I'm the worst ever. And I think that's, like, a perpetual cycle. I don't I don't know if it's good or bad. But, I yeah. mean, but like, literally week to week, I have, like, 10 different states of, like, 
I think I, I think I got this. I think I understand what comedy is. And then like the next two days, it's like, man, am I ever going to have a joke again? Well, it's gonna, it's gonna be funny because you're gonna look back at those moments when, like, depending on where comedy is gonna be going from here on out. Um, but even still, you might even look back and be like, "Wow, I can't believe I was thinking like that." And eventually, like, I got into like just training my brain to always think like, "Okay, it's always gonna be something better. There's always gonna be something better." Yeah. Do you do you feel an obligation to always be funny all the time, or like, how do you how do you deal with it? like outside of stand up comedy? Yeah, just generally in your life. Yeah. Like, do you always feel you have to be the funniest person in every situation? Uh, I don't try to be the funniest person in every situation. I just see funny things in every situation. Like, I can't be serious with my, like, whenever my girlfriend's trying to be, like, having a serious conversation with me. Or if she's, like, upset, like, I can't help but, like, laugh. Just because, yeah. like, I, I just find those kind of situations, like, really ridiculous. And I, like, every time I ever got into, like, an argument, like, I would just find myself in the back of my head laughing. I'm like, why am I even in this situation right now? But I I always, I've always just found it really funny. But I've never actually, like, wanted to always be the center of attention. Like, just always try to be funny. Because sometimes, like, I don't want to be funny. I'm like, okay, I just want to, like, observe what's going on. Yeah. That's been something I've kind of adjusted with, where Mm -hmm. I think, uh, I think I'm, like, I think I like would be impulsive with jokes where like I would just so like I think I would like say a joke and if that joke would do well then I would like say six more jokes in like a half hour and I would just like roll and roll and roll and roll and roll and so I think now I have like a kind of realization of like oh I don't have to say jokes all the time everywhere I can just do it on stage and like write my jokes and like that's it because I almost want to be like boring as fuck outside of stand up. Like, yeah, I almost so that when you, so when people come and see you, they get like the whole meat and potatoes kind of thing. Like, they get yeah. all the good stuff. Yeah. Like, I've been thinking of the possibility of like uh, going out with someone and I'm like, oh, like, you know, like the seventh date, it's like, oh, yeah, I, I do stand up. And like in their head, they're like, oh, fuck, you're so boring. And then, like, yeah. I, you know, I go on stage and I'm like, and then I. D- then I punch my mom and like, you know, yeah. it's, it does well or it does good. And mm-hmm. I, I, and then I get off and you know, I'm boring again. Like I just, yeah. I want that where like, I want to be like so, so boring that people like undersell me. Like yeah. when I, when I, you know, when and like then you I, just kind of blow them away when they see you on stage. Hopefully, hopefully. Yeah. But like, but then again, like the counter side to that whole thinking would be like, oh, maybe if they see you're boring in person and then they're like, oh, I don't want to go see this guy on stage because he's probably going to be like how he is in person. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, like, I also want to be boring just because like, I mean, being boring is so much easier than being funny all the time. Like my whole life, I was like the class clown at school and that's tiring. Like I always felt weird and yeah, yeah, people, people were, were just looking, looking at you, waiting, waiting for you to, like, like do, do something. something. Like, come, come on, funny man. man. I want to laugh, laugh today. Yeah, after, like, six months of saying jokes every day, um, yeah. people would, like, ask me. Like, they'd go, oh, you didn't say jokes this time. Are you okay? And it's like, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. Like, why? Yeah, I'm fine, yeah. And yeah. Uh, I want to be so boring that that basically, like, I, I would love the, to work in, like, an office and I and I have like a comedy album or something like like I have a show, and I invite the people from the office over, and they're like, "Oh, this is going to suck." Yeah. 
I've been I've been thinking way too much about I feel weird talking about this because like my my main point I just want to be your dad in real life yeah. the I want to be whoever's watching this dad like I want to wear flannel all day and I want to drive a minivan or like a Volvo yeah and, and then like my comedy is just like me shouting at people and like just like you know doing like satanic rituals or whatever <laughs> I want oh nice <laughs> And, and the and the first step to getting there is dropping out of school. I said it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, who knows if school's still going to be a thing. If everything's just going to be online nowadays, probably not going to have a school to go back to. Man, I'm divided because part of me is like, I, I love stand-up and I, I would really love to uh, to, dro- to drop out and just to like focus on stand-up. But a different part of me is like, oh, my future and, you know, yeah. that, could, that could hurt career opportunities but I kind of feel sold on the idea that, you know, this is kind of what I want to do and this is what I feel happiest doing. And I like the community and I, I like the community in Toronto and I like being friends with comics because it kind of feels like there's like a, like a camaraderie or like a brotherhood. Like, yeah, it really, it really feels like everyone outside of comedy doesn't get it. And here it's just like a bunch of crazy people who like can just kind of, congeal and understand each other and that, yeah. that's my that's the best thing about comedy is the community like, like mm-hmm. that that's the biggest shame now that everything's canceled there aren't like groups of 10 people where it's like okay we're on the same page and we all want the same thing yeah, yeah. and that's, hey, the worst. that's the worst yeah you definitely don't find that with uh, the uh, comedy community like around here you don't you don't really see like a group of comedians that are like constantly going out around everywhere, like helping workshop each other's material and just kind of like building themselves up. But if you go back to like comedians from like 10, 20 years ago, they created like groups together and eventually started creating movies together and even still oh, like, like doing oh. stand up. Yeah. 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 Oh, hold on. You're frozen. Oh, God. What's happening? Hold on. You froze for a second there. Cool. Hello? Are you still here? Can you hear me? Oh, oh, hopefully this didn't uh, block out for a second there. Oh, no. Tom? Yes, still there, Tom? Well, this sucks. <laughs> Tom, I don't know if you're still there. Oh, no. He left my recording. Um, cool. There we go. You're back. There we go. You all good? Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Do you want to just, like, wrap it up, or...? Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll wrap it up in a sec. I just want to ask you, like, one more question, and then, uh... Yeah, yeah. If you want to talk about anything in the news, we can talk about that. Um, and then we'll wrap it up from there. Okay. So what has been um, the most, like, it's bananas moment in your life? 
like something, whether it's good or bad, in comedy or outside of comedy, just something that made you look back and was like, wow, I can't believe that just happened? Um, okay, so I wrote, I wrote a bit about this, um, but it did actually happen. Um, my dad's cousin, uh, earlier this year, he killed himself. And then my mom's, uh, my mom's cousin, a week later, he killed himself. And I thought it was a good idea to write uh, material about it. Yeah. And so I wrote jokes about it. And then when Kobe died, I, uh, this isn't even like a great story so much as me just being a shitty person for like writing jokes about my dead relatives who I never yeah. met. And then when Kobe died, I'm like remorseful and I had to take a sick day from work. It's not even a good story. I'm just, a, I'm just not a good person in my family. I feel bad. Yeah. yeah. By the way, it's just like, you can, it shows how much Kobe touched your life versus how much <laughs> they touched your life. Yeah. Um, he, <laughs> Yeah, because I had a chance of making the NBA. Yeah, you could have. You never know. If he was still alive, you probably could have had a chance. But now that he's gone, your chances are gone, bro. Yeah, I could have been like a 5'8 all-star. Yeah. <laughs> it could happen. Um, What's another It's Bananas moment? Uh, this was before I was born, but my dad stalked my mom when they went to the same university together. Um, uh, now they're married. He he didn't he didn't stalk her like that. He like he followed yeah. her, but it looked like stalking. Wow, this sounds bad. I, I mean, just saying the word "I'm gonna follow somebody" is like he was stalking like, already. He was several feet behind, not like thirty or fifty. Was he behind. intentionally three feet behind? Like ten. Like okay, he was, he was like he, not that far. But he was still intentionally behind her, knowing yeah. full well. He was behind a woman. And he would, like, wait outside of her lectures. Like, okay, this sounds really bad, but, like... It does sound really bad. <laughs> but they didn't divorce, uh, so, I mean, they should have. I mean, is your mom locked in the basement with you? <laughs> she just hasn't left. <laughs> yeah, I, like, open a meat freezer, and I'm like, oh, yeah. holy shit, mom. Yeah, but, uh... I don't even know if that's a banana story or if like I should just like recommend a therapist to my parents. I should probably re I should I should probably do both. I feel like if you do that, they'll probably end up divorcing. Remember, like, remember that one time you stalked me for like a good ten years out of my life. I mean, they laugh at it, which I'm happy about. Yeah, I, f I feel like I like messed up the whole question, and I'm yeah. sorry about that. But I just talked. Ah, about, that's all right. Like, I got a good story out of it. So. <laughs> I talked about my dead relatives and why my parents should probably have a restraining order against each other. Yeah, see? You just have, like, you talk about this in your stand-up, and there you go. You're golden. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Well, is there anything you want to talk about in the news? Just because um, I feel like there's only one thing that's been in the news since. I mean, uh, if you follow my Twitter, at Drew Carey Club, this is to yeah. all the viewers... Um, I'm starting a GoFundMe page where the more money I get on my Twitter, uh, the more money we're going to get to a coronavirus vaccine. So send oh, all man. your credit card numbers and all your bank information over on my Twitter. Just direct message me at Drew Carey Club and I'll get a cure ready.
No problem. Oh, nice. You have all the setup and everything for it? All yeah. Ready to go? I'm just a procrastinator. I've just, I'm just doing oh, this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll, like, I don't know. I'm, I'm in my basement. I'll probably cook up something. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta create something with the time that you have. It's just crazy. Exactly. Like, have you seen all of like the stories that have been coming up with like the uh, celebrities and how um, they're all bored and stuff like that? What, where they were like all singing videos or like? Yeah, they had that that singing video one, and everyone's yeah. complaining yeah. about that one right now. Uh, it was with Gal, right. it was with Gal Gadot, and they're like, oh, all of these rich people complaining about how they have to like, or they're singing about just like humanity and all that and how they they have but essentially they have like a better life like this is some of the things that people yeah. were saying like yeah. oh they have a better life if they just like donated some of their money to help out with everybody else and like their struggles already because technically like really they were saying like oh they oh no running out of time oh we got like 10 minutes okay okay yeah we can figure that out um but yeah so they were just saying like how um uh like all these rich people, they could definitely just donate and help out, or because that's where they got their money from was like from all their fans and everything. So yeah, like help yeah. help with that with the fans rather than sit around making like a, a video about you guys yeah. singing. Because what is that really doing to help everybody? Yeah, it's kind of like. Yeah, I agree. It's kind of like uh, the Buffalo. Do you know the? Do you watch hockey? Uh, not really, no. But I know okay, so. I know of hockey. I just don't watch okay, it religiously. Okay. okay. Um, yeah, there's a team, the Buffalo Sabres, and their owner yeah. has refused to pay their employees during like this whole shortage. But he's oh, also okay. he also fired everyone mm -hmm. within the organization, and basically had a th point of saying, once the season starts again, you can get your, you can get your yeah. jobs back potentially. Mm -hmm. So so he hasn't supported them during this whole thing, and he's also canceled it. Yeah. I, I mean, like, part of me wants to be cynical and part of me wants to be optimistic. I'm at a weird divide where it's like, oh, this coronavirus ultimately could be a good thing where, like, you know, people could understand and, like, be more charitable to other people. And we could just, we could grow and, like, just help other people yeah. out in a bigger way than before. But there are also stories like that and of celebrities, like, not really helping up their fans where mm. it's you know, I kind of feel cynical where it's like, oh, we're not going to learn from this. We're just going to stay the same and we're just going to be as, I don't want to say selfish, but you know, like there are going to be selfish people and bad people, not bad people, yeah. but like bad traits that we're just going to hold on to and we're never going mm -hmm. to get rid of. Oh yeah. And I feel that like, well, what were you going to say? No, that, that took a dark turn, but like, you know, I yeah. just... But I mean, like, yeah, it's all right if we take a dark turn in this in this podcast because it's shedding the good and bad about everything. And right now there's a yeah. lot of shitty things that are going around, especially having to do the podcast over the internet right now. So it kind of sucks. But then you have like people that are complaining, like people that have money that are complaining about what, what to do with their life. Like I saw one about yeah. Sam Smith and you had like different yeah. poses. Yeah about him being bored i'm like you have millions of dollars you have a nice home figure out something to do but i mean like everybody else that doesn't have that kind of money yeah. is scrambling yeah. about like what do we do with our lives but but imagine sam smith's pictures being shown to like a someone who had to survive uh the holocaust like that's yeah. that's really insulting where you had yeah. to spend like a couple days indoors as a millionaire and you know right. 
you, you know, people had to like live in like closets for the most part or cupboards just to yeah. avoid getting killed. It's almost it would be like a Jew taking a selfie of themselves in like the United States, sending it to somebody that's in like Auschwitz and being like, "Oh, look at this. We're all <laughs> suffering together." It's like, "What? No. <laughs> like yeah. clearly you're not." Yeah, I mean it 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 just puts a sour taste in my mouth and Yeah. I mean again, like I I there are stories that are like really making me optimistic, but then there's like stories of people like like the scammers who like sold disinfectant wipes for a hundred thousand dollars on Costco. No, on Amazon. It was on Amazon. Yeah. Yeah. And that just like really makes me, uh, I don't know. It just bums me out because it's made everybody uneasy, but there was that one case with BC where somebody was trying to do the exact same thing and they ended up having to donate all of it. Because the government, yeah, because everybody that's holding on to all these supplies, the governments are actually going to their place and being like, "Sorry, you're gonna have to donate all of this." I mean, that's it even happened to like the, the, those two guys in the U.S. They had the garage full of stuff. I can't remember the exact amount of stuff, but he had like I think eight, over eighteen thousand products, and the government just went over and took it all and started donating it. I mean, that's cool. I mean, like, it sucks for that guy, but like, I mean, it's cool. But I mean, he that. shouldn't be doing that. That's just, you're trying to, like, prouse, uh, price gouge the shit out of everybody and try to make a quick buck because and you also, know what like, it's going to be. Like, you'll create, like, artificial demand. And so yeah. there could be a shortage or there could be, you know, like a spike up in, yeah, spike up in price. Yeah. That's the weirdest thing about the coronavirus where no one really knows what to do. Like, mm-hmm. some reports are saying it's more severe than we expect. Some reports are saying it's less severe than we expect. And yeah. that's the scariest thing where a lot of this information isn't concrete. There's a, it's yeah, not there's, solid. there's too much. There's too much information. It's way too saturated with how much, how many facts are coming out online. That if anybody wants to find out true facts, just go to the World Health Organization because they're the ones that are going to be like, you know, they're truly going to be looking at all of this information yeah and like, like they, assessing well, they it they declared this a pandemic so they have like a lot yeah. of legitimacy within the world scope yeah exactly and a lot of people are just like they're just trying to get too many facts and there is a lot of things are being thrown around and like i've i've seen facts where like somebody's comparing like oh last year's flu killed like 45 million people whereas like this has only killed like three thousand people or whatever but i mean what are we at now we're at like over 13,000 people have been killed so far with we over, almost 300,000. We could be at 14,000. Yeah, so, yeah, so as, as we're recording this, it's 14,000 like deaths with like over 300,000 cases already. And this is within just a couple months. Wow. Without everybody like actually coming into contact with it. Whereas the flu, you know everybody has already come into contact with it. It's just, it's a season, it happens. So, so you gotta think with coronavirus, what happened, what's gonna happen with that season? Because it's gonna go, it's probably gonna go away for a little bit, but then come back even stronger, just like how the flu did. That's my rant. <laughs> yeah, and also there's the fact that uh, if you're infected with the flu, you yeah. have a less likely chance of infecting it. Mm-hmm. You spread it to three people, like yeah. per one person who has it. But the flu, it's it's a one-to-one ratio. So if you have the flu, mm-hmm. then you have the potential to spread it to one other person for yeah. the most part. Like that, that it varies, but mm-hmm. 
I, I mean, it's, it, there, there's such a weird, oh, there's such a weird atmosphere of information where I don't know like what's, what's really real or what I should trust or shouldn't trust. Yeah. And that's like the most difficult thing. Mm-hmm. Everyone's kind of in the black. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, like the governments are trying to do the best that they can for, uh, for this entire situation. So it's really just kind of do this, do the 14 day quarantine right now. Like you said yourself, like you're sick, so you're just trying to stay quarantined yourself without even yeah. going to get yeah. tested. So you're just taking the extra precaution just to make sure that you don't even infect everybody else because you really don't yeah. know. I mean, staying away from my family has honestly been pretty fine. Like I'm treating it like yeah. a vacation. It's It's yeah. been fun. Yeah. Yeah, so there's a lot of things that everybody's going to have to like, go through over this. Say that again. No, I think you're cutting out. But no, we got, like, I... what was that? Oh no! I hope this doesn't lag. Damn it! I hope this doesn't freeze again. Hmm. Oh, are you still there? Hello? I saw it move a little bit. Tom? Yeah. Oh, you're still there? Okay. I guess we'll wrap this up then. Yeah. It says like I got like a minute left. Okay. And I, I didn't hear the rest of what you said. So hopefully that, uh, I hope this application actually picked it up. Hopefully it picked up the audio that you were saying. It's okay. Um, it wasn't that important. <laughs> it's all right. Uh, but Tom, thank you so much for for coming out onto the podcast. Really yeah, appreciate it. it. Thanks so much for having me on the podcast. Like, even it was fun. Yeah, yeah. Uh, where can people follow you? Uh, you can follow me at Drew Carey Club on Twitter. That's uh, that's the only social media I have. Yeah. Um, at Drew Carey Club, I have subpar jokes. They're not really good, but mm-hmm. if you like my subpar stand up, you'll like my subpar Twitter. Nice. Um, yeah. Awesome. Guys, thank you so much for, uh, for tuning in. If you liked the video, don't forget to like and subscribe. Uh, we'll, do, we'll try to do uh, episodes every Monday at 9 a.m. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Let's peel out.